Well, I feel a little wopsided here. Huh? <laughs> it's funny, everybody's sitting over here and just a few people over there, but uh, closest to the door, <laughs> huh? <laughs> it must be fall break. A lot of people are out of town today and this week, and, uh, and we certainly understand that, but we are glad that you are here today and we welcome you and, uh, and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. Um, if we have any visitors today, we want to recognize you and, and, uh, and let you know that you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here today, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together this morning. Uh, just a few things I'd like to call to your attention. Let me remind you, first of all, of the attendance sheets that are on each row. Uh, if, we, if we could ask you to take those and to uh, fill them out and pass them down the row and then pass them back down the down the row. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And I hope that you have been uh, taking note of the announcements on our overhead video here uh, and, and made a note of those things, those opportunities that you could be a part of in the next week and the coming weeks. And uh, we'd like to invite you to be a part of as, as many things as you possibly can. Uh, to plug in to our ministry and our fellowship and our work here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, one thing that I want to call to your attention is uh, that's coming up, and that is that Saturday, next Saturday, will be the first day of upward basketball and cheerleading. Uh, the season will begin. We, we've been going through practice for about three or four weeks now, uh, but the season will, again, will be, begin officially on next Saturday, and we'll be hearing a little bit more about that a little later on from Christine. She's going to bring us an update on that a little bit later in the service. But we're glad that you're here today, and uh, hope God's going to bless in a very special way. And one of the things we like to do is to have a moment of uh, fellowship. So wait a minute, let me invite you to stand up and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you, and let's just share the love of God with one another this morning. I will worship. I will worship. With all of my heart. I will praise you. With all of my strength. I will seek you. All of my days. And I will follow.
throne. I will trust you. I will trust you alone. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful that we can come today and worship you. Lord, we know these are tough times. We ask that you be with our congressional leaders, Lord, in this tough time of economic conditions. Lord, we ask that you bless each and every family here and each family that's not here today, Lord. If they're traveling, be, be with them, keep them safe, and bring them back to our home. We ask that you be with our pastor today as he delivers the message. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated.
there's some things that are, aren't quite right up here, but so let's take a different direction. What, what is, what's this? 909? You know what, I could have swore last night when I wrote it, it said Bob. <laughs> Try another one. Who is this? Wow, those two kind of relate to each other. Some moms are kind of wowy, aren't they? Okay, now, you know what this is? Really? You play golf? I mean, you play tennis with one of these? Huh, this says Spalding. I'm wondering if this is Ron or Dorothy's. It's a golf ball and a tennis can. How about that? Now, I know that you probably like me. You like to put this on bread and probably have it with some jelly. You like yogurt with bread and jelly? How about Jif peanut butter? No, that's a different story. So where are we going with all this up here? What, what do they have in common? They're not really what they appear to be, are they? They look like one thing, and really, there's something else in there. Um, this morning, Pastor Tim, in his sermon, is going to be talking about a story in the Bible that involves some tenants who rejected, uh, who reacted opposite of the way they were really supposed to. And you know what the word for that is, and one of the words for that is? There's a name for people who do this. Sometimes they can be referred to as a hypocrite. A hypocrite. One of the definitions of a hypocrite is a person who puts a false appearance of religion up. A person who says their religious uh, beliefs, a person who says their religious beliefs uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they know God. There's a couple other definitions up there on the screen, but that's one definition of a hypocrite. Now, you know what a hypocrite is? Not a Republican or a Democrat, but a hypocrite. It's a hypocritical politician. <laughs> now, some of y'all may be too young to really get that, but yet it just means that a, that's a politician who says one thing, votes one way, and does something else. That's, an, that's another example, of, sort of, of a hypocrite. Oh, that was a definition of a politician. <laughs> <laughs> or a definition of a true politician, true. Uh, um, let me see if I can find another example. Um, something's humming. I don't know if that's me. Another example to illustrate this. Mike, is that me? I can't turn it down. Um, we here at Community Baptist Church say that we feed the homeless and that we help the poor. We, we work at the Salvation Army um, every fifth Sunday or every fifth Saturday. But what happens when we pass the man on Main Street between 2nd and 3rd that's homeless? Do we offer him something to eat? And we may not be able to do that every time, but that's what we should be doing. Um, is it a good thing, you think, to be a hypocrite? What do you think? It's a big word, but do you think it's a good thing to be a hypocrite? Pro probably not, ever. It's not a good thing. God always wants us to be truthful, honest, and compassionate. Not only to the people in our church body, but the people out there in the world, too. That's what he calls us to do. It's fall break this week. Y'all are on vacation, right? That's a good thing. You get a week off. I'm going to ask you to do one thing this week. 
Will you be an example for someone else? And what do I mean by that? Will you do something kind for somebody else? Even if it's make your bed without your mom and your dad asking you to, or taking out the trash. Simple as that. Do something kind for somebody else this week. Um, That's really what I want to talk to you about today. Let's pray, and then i got one other thing to share with you, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children. And God, we know that you made us the way you wanted us to be. May our actions and our words always represent you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, before you go, i got something for you. Want some miracle grow? Just what you wanted, huh? Come up here. Let's see what's in here. If it's like everything else, you know, you can't always judge a book by its cover. Well, I'll be darned. There's M&Ms in here. There you go. Thank you all. There you go, Wyatt. Say, did you get some? No? You may be, be seated. 
Boy, we were confused on that one, weren't we? You know, I, I've often told people that I sing jailhouse, uh, which means that I'm between the bars and can't find the right key. Uh, and there we were singing one song and hearing another, and, uh, but that's okay. Uh, one, of our, one of our reasons for that is both of our regular musicians are away today on, uh, on vacation and on break, or way out of town, and uh, Larry's doing double duty today. He's playing piano and leading from the bench there, and so uh, we're grateful for that, Larry, uh, for, for filling in and doing that. Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. However, before we get into this scripture reading, I would be remiss if I did not recognize something today. And that is that I just found out just a few minutes ago that yesterday, Vince and Fritz Davis celebrated their 65th anniversary. What a remarkable, remarkable testimony that is. Congratulations to the two of you. Now our scripture reading for today, Matthew 21, 33 through 46. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time came, he sent his slaves to collect his share of the produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls." When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds because the crowds regarded him as a prophet. This is the word of God for you and for me.
morning. Uh, believe it or not, it's that time of year again. We're getting ready to uh, begin the games and uh, for our upward ministry. We've already had registrations. We've already had our kickoff banquet. We've already had a prayer breakfast. We've been busy, everybody. And uh, John and I want to thank everybody that's, that's helped in any way. Uh, we have uh, 163 children in our program this year, 109 are basketball, and we have 54 cheerleaders. Now, of those 163 children, we know for sure that 32% of them have absolutely no church affiliation. So that's where we all come into play. We need to be here, uh, practices, games, whenever you can be here to minister to these families and to these children. Uh, Upward is, the theme of Upward this year is kingdom growth. We're not here to necessarily say that you need to come to Community Baptist Church. We're here to say we want you to know the Lord. And uh, we want to help you in any way we can to, to help you along that path. Uh, we, I've had several ask me about scholarships, if we still need scholarships. Uh, this year, we asked any parent that signed up a child to at least pay $20.00. And all of the parents that agreed to make payments did so. Uh, they've all given in some way. Uh, the scholarships that were needed at the end was $1,290. So far we've received $910. So we still need another $380, which if you divide that by the $65, which is how much it costs for a child to play, that's basically six scholarships that we still need. So if you're able to help in any way uh, with a full scholarship or even with part of a scholarship, uh, that would help to sponsor these children who want to play. Um, part of what, Cindy Hall is our outreach commissioner, and what we do with these uh, children, these 52 children that we know have no church affiliation, one of the ways that we try to outreach to those children is by uh, hooking them up with a pen pal within the church. All of the children so far have a pen pal except for four. 
And I have those names with me today. If anybody would be interested in being a pen pal, we just ask you to maybe send them a little card, maybe put some stickers in there. If there's something special going on here at church that the child could be involved in, you know, maybe Larry's taking them skating one week or something like that, send them a card, invite them to, to come, invite their parents to come. Um, prayer partners, I know our prayer partners have been working hard uh, because a lot of our prayers have already been answered. Uh, each week during uh, the children's devotion at practice time, uh, our devotion leaders ask the children if they had prayer requests. And uh, Well, the first week was right after the storm, and a lot of them wanted prayers for things at home just weren't like, the, like they always had been. You know, there was a tree down, or my backyard's messed up, or, or our roof is off. You know, there was a lot of prayer requests like that. Uh, after that week, we've had a lot of prayer requests for animals. They want us to pray for their cats and their dogs and their grandma and their grandpa. But we've had some that have, that have really touched my heart, too. We had one little boy, he said, uh, I've had some kids at school being mean to me. They don't know Jesus, and I want you to pray for them. And then we had an older brother this last week. He said he, he's not even participating in Upward, but he came over for the devotion with his younger brother. And he said, I want to pray for the ministries of this church, for you all allowing these children to, to come and, and be a part of this ministry. So that really touched my heart. Um, still to come, uh, like uh, Dr. Hobbs said, games start this Saturday. We need lots of volunteers each Saturday. If you're willing to help with setup or cleanup, you need to see Phil Wagner or Bob Crafton. They are the commissioners for that area. Uh, Sybil and I both brought our list today. She's signing up for concessions. I'm signing up for greeters and scorekeepers. And also I have the list for referees. Todd Grass has taken care of that but couldn't be here today. I have that list. We're still needing some referees for that first week of games. So if you can help in any way, or if you can come and take pictures. If you come to watch a game and you have a, a camera, uh, a digital camera is best. If you would bring that camera and then give us that memory stick, Nibby can download all those pictures on our website. So, And that's a great way to meet people during the game. You're taking pictures of their kids, you get to talking about the kids, and you get to talking about, you know, they have questions about our church. Uh, they might just want somebody to talk to. So it's just a great way to, to uh, come in and, and fellowship with, with all of the uh, families that are involved with Upward. So um, I, I'd like for you to pray with me now uh, for this ministry. And uh, I don't want anybody to feel that there's not a, a part that you can't play in this ministry. Prayer is very vital to this ministry. We can't do it without the prayers. Uh, and any way that you can give of your time and your talents is, is, uh, is such a blessing to these families and these children. So let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you today for bringing this ministry to our church. Um, we want you to lead us through the coming weeks, Lord, in this ministry. And we don't know for sure how you're going to use us, Lord, in these families' lives, but just let us be open to whatever, whatever it is that we can do to help these families to, to get to know you, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you give us strength, Lord, uh, that you give us open hearts, Lord. And uh, we know you're always with us and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. In the last verses, first, second, and fourth, 144. Let's stand as we do that.
Join me as we pray. Lord, we are thankful for those that were able to come today. We ask that you be with those that are on our sick list, those that are on our prayer list. Be with those families that are traveling. Keep them safe and bless these tithes and offerings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This song came from the 70s, so if you understand, it was came out when, uh, when uh, Hair was out on Broadway. Jesus Christ Superstar uh, and all these kind of things were going on. There were protests across. Even in my college campus, we protested some things that were going on there. So that's where it's coming from, and I hope you see it as that way. The first time this was written, it was put in third person. If you know how third person is, it's saying you, you, you. Uh, but it was changed to uh, first person, which talks about all of us, sort of in a different vein than we would usually hear in maybe in a church. I hope you'll listen to it and let God speak in whatever way he would do that.
start. You're the prettiest girl I've ever seen. Well, I like that. And you speak your mind. You're not afraid to tell people what you think. Why is that different? A lot of the women around here speak their mind. I mean, look at Nancy. She's much more outspoken than I am. You mean the woman who wears the pants and carries the gun? Yes. My father thinks she's an abomination. Does he? He's not different from the rest of the men around here. And I don't see other women in the wagon train wearing pants or carrying guns. I mean, so what do they think about her? It's a 
free country. She can do what she pleases. Why would your father care about something like that? What, what difference does it make to him? That's just the way he is. A lot of things bother him. Why look at the mote in your brother's eye when there's a beam in yours? What? Jesus said that in Matthew. It sounds as though your father is always looking for the motes in other people's eyes. He's the bishop. I mean, it's his job. <laughs> he has to keep people in line. What does your father do? My father says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Jesus said that too. But how does he keep control? How does he punish the sinners? He, do he doesn't punish sinners. They're, their sins are between them and God. A little four-year-old girl named Jenny was telling her mother about a Bible story that she heard in her Sunday school class it concerned the healing of a blind man, one of those times when the Pharisees were trying to find something on, on Jesus that they could use against him. Well, when she got to the part where the Pharisees questioned the man who had been healed by Jesus, Jenny gave her own take on the story. And she said, boy, those Ferris wheels sure were jealous of Jesus. Well, Jenny, they were not Ferris wheels, they were Pharisees. And yes, they were jealous of Jesus, but it was more complicated than simple jealousy. Today's lesson from the Gospel of Matthew is about the Pharisees and about their ongoing conflict with Jesus. Jesus had finally arrived in Jerusalem when this took place, and he had already cleansed the temple. You may remember that story. Jesus goes into the temple, and he finds all kinds of vendors and money changers had set up shop in the area that was set aside for the Gentile converts to worship. And they basically had a market going there, set up there in the, in the temple area, which made it almost impossible for the Gentile converts to pray and to worship with all this commotion going on around them. And this made Jesus mad. And so he took a whip and he opened the cages, turned over the, the counting tables and ran off all of the livestock. Now you think about that for a minute and that may surprise you. I bet you didn't know that Jesus was such a radical that he would involve himself in such an act of civil disobedience as this. But he did. And can you imagine what the religious elite thought about this? This was an act that did not exactly endear Jesus to the religious establishment. And so feelings were running pretty hot. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in a turmoil because... They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to handle this man. On the one hand, they wanted to have him arrested, but on the other hand, they were afraid to do so because of the crowds. And so what did Jesus do? Well, he did what he often did. He told a story. 
He told the story about a landowner who planted a vineyard and he put up a wall around the vineyard and dug a, a wine press and built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When harvest time came, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crops. But incredibly, the tenant seized his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then the landowner was stunned at this. So he sent more servants, and the tenants did the same thing to them. And so finally, he sent his son to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw his son, they said, This is the heir. Let's, let's get him. Let's kill him. And let's take his inheritance. And so they took him and threw him outside of the vineyard and killed him. Then Jesus asked this question. What do you think the, the owner of the vineyard is going to do when he comes? Well, it wasn't very hard for his listeners to imagine what the owner of the vineyard would do. He will bring those wretches to a miserable end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop. And then Jesus summed up his story by saying this. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce the fruits of the kingdom. Now, folks, the Pharisees were among the most religious people who ever lived. And they were very important to the history of Judaism. In fact, without their devotion to the faith of their fathers, the, the Jewish religion may not, may not have ever even survived However, the priorities of the Pharisees during the days of Jesus were way out of whack. Many of them were more concerned with their traditions than they were with the people, and they let their power go to their head, and so Jesus called them hypocrites. You have your worship folder? Turn to the front of your folder for just a moment. Do you recognize the graphic on the front page of the worship folder that today? Who can tell me what that represents? Huh? Comedy tragedy. Comedy tragedy. It represents the theater. This is a, these are the masks that are often used to represent the theater. You have the comedy, the tragedy, the happy face, the sad face. And the reason they represent the theater is that ancient Roman actors would wear masks to represent their character in a play. And these masks and the actors were called hypocrites. That was the word they used to refer to them because they were not the true representation of the people behind the masks. They were hiding their true identity because uh, behind their mask. And that's what a hypocrite does, doesn't it? Isn't it? You see one thing, but underneath there's something else. And it's not that the Pharisees were any worse than anyone else, because they weren't. In fact, in many ways, they were better. You could not find a more moral, religious group of people than, than these anywhere. It's just that Jesus expected more of them, just as Jesus expects more out of you and me. So let's think about these Pharisees for a few moments this morning and see if we can learn some lessons from their mistakes First of all, we need to see that just because people are religious does not mean that they really know God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. I want to tell you about a very religious man. 
He was a Pharisee. He was one of the most religious people who ever lived. The description that he gave of himself, he said that he was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. That's how he describes himself. In fact, he was so zealous for the Jewish faith that he persecuted the early Christian church. And he says that in terms of legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. His name was Saul of Tarsus. If he were alive today, most of us would not want to have Saul over for dinner. I know because I've tried to share a meal with people like him before who, who were so sure of their religious beliefs that they made no room for discussion. And I can tell you it's not a very comfortable place to be. But Saul was what we might call a Bible thumper, you know? His self-righteousness would have been too much for most of us to bear. And he would have every one of us in his crosshairs with the determination to convert us to his brand of Judaism. Even if you were a Jew, it would not be enough. He would want you to be a true believer. If you were a real Jew, he would say, then you would have to do such and such. And you couldn't do such and such. You ever encountered somebody like that? I have. I, matter of fact, I met somebody like that just like last week. Maybe you have somebody like that in your family. Maybe you, maybe you were like that at some time in your own life. But good news, folks, there is hope because even Saul of Tarsus saw the error of his ways and changed to a life of love and compassion and acceptance. Sociologist and Baptist preacher Tony Campolo says that he used to be like that. He uses the word Bible thumper to describe him, himself as a youth. He was legalistic, self-righteous, always trying to convert others to his personal brand of religion until one day he was shocked to discover that he didn't really know God at all. Those were his words, not mine. He, were, he was super religious, but he didn't know God. Now, can that really happen? Yeah, it can. And here's how Tony Campolo discovered that it was true of him. Tony was in high school at the time, and there was a kid in his school named Roger. Roger was gay, and everybody knew it, and everybody made fun of Roger. You know how cruel kids can be in school, they ridiculed him, they poked fun at him, they called him ugly names, they mocked him, and they made his life hell. When Roger would go into the shower after Jim, they would wait until he came out and pop him with, his, with their towels. And, and then one day when, when uh, Tony was not there, he was absent, a group of five guys pushed Roger into the corner of the shower and urinated all over him. That night, Roger went into the attic of his house in the middle of the night and hung himself. Tony Campolo, still suffering from that incident, says, I knew that I was not a Christian because if I had been a real Christian, I would have stood up for my friend Roger. Even if they ridiculed me for doing it, I would have been his friend. And so I knew then and there that I didn't really know Jesus. Well, that was, the, that was kind of like Saul's situation, too. A circumcised Jew, 
a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a zealot, a Pharisee, faultless in his devotion to the law, but he really didn't know God. Perhaps like Tony Campolo, Saul started to see the light when he saw how cruel self-righteousness could be. Perhaps the apostle Stephen was Saul's Roger experience as Saul held Stephen's robe and watched as self-righteousness stoned Stephen to death for the terrible crime of following Jesus. Saul did not stand up to the crowd and say, this is not right. He didn't do that. And I just wonder if, if as he watched each stone hit its mark, leaving deep gashes and, and broken bones, I just wonder if at least subconsciously Saul didn't begin a period of self-examination. Because you see, it was not long after the martyrdom of Stephen that, that Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and then he knew for certain that up to that point in his life, in spite of his extreme religiosity, he hadn't known God at all. And suddenly Saul the persecutor became known as Paul the Apostle. And it was the same Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians 13, if, if I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels but have not love, I'm only a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain but have not love, then I'm nothing. And that's the first reason that Jesus was upset with these Pharisees because just because they were super religious didn't mean that they knew God. But here's the second thing that we need to see and that is that the life of faith, the life that Jesus calls us to is a life about bearing fruit. In fact, Jesus explains this parable with these words. He says, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce the fruits of the kingdom. It's interesting, earlier in this chapter we encounter the, the strange little story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. In the 18th and 19th verse of the, of the same chapter, we read that early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry and he saw a fig tree by the road and he, he went up to it, but he found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered and died. That's an odd little story and it's clear that Jesus did this for the benefit of his disciples, but the point that the point that he was trying to make was, was much more than just being upset at still having an, ups, uh, uh, an empty stomach. Instead, this poor fig tree became an object lesson for the disciples. And the point was, what good is a fig tree that doesn't bear figs? And now a few verses later, Jesus is asking, what good is a follower of Christ who doesn't bear fruit of the kingdom? So you see, the Pharisees took the easy way out, didn't they? Because folks, it is, let's, let's just be honest about it. It's always much easier to be religious than it is to truly follow Jesus, isn't it? It is always much easier to go about your duties in the synagogue or in the church than it is to really and truly love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
It's always much easier to, to wear your religious garb and to use your religious language and, and, and cover your car with religious bumper stickers than it is to speak up for the poor and the dispossessed. And it's always easier to read your Bible than it is to intervene at school for that friend who is being harassed. My friends, the Pharisees had the business of being religious down pat. But the problem was that they were not bearing the fruit of the kingdom of God in their lives. Moody Monthly Magazine once featured an article titled Confessions of a Pharisee, and it related the experience of a, of a Christian lady and two of her friends who lived in a, a beautiful residential neighborhood and they lived near a woman named Ada. All three of these women who lived near Ada taught Sunday school, and they were very active in their church, but they didn't want anything to do with Ada. Because, you see, Ada drank a lot, and she engaged in loud quarrels with her, her husband. Now, these good, upstanding church women realized that Ada needed the Lord, but, but they were proud. And they didn't want anything to do with her. They, they couldn't bear the thought of being seen with a woman like Ada. And then the news came that Ada was seriously ill. And, and even though they knew that they should help her, they still did nothing. And a short time later, Ada died. At the close of the article, the author described her feelings as she saw the hearse out in front of Ada's house. And this is what she wrote. She said, the silent witness of that body on the stretcher will haunt us for a long time. Could any of us honestly say that we cared for Ada's soul? That's why I think that we all three are Pharisees. Jesus accused the Pharisees of not bearing the fruit of God's kingdom. And please understand that I'm not talking about doing good works simply as another way of pleasing God because faith is not about earning our, our way into God's favor. However, if a person has truly committed their lives to following Christ, then that person can no more help doing good works than a healthy fig tree can resist bearing figs. Good works are not a matter of earning our salvation. But good works are the fruit of our salvation. The Apostle Paul in Galatians said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. James tells us that faith without works is dead and faith is brought to its completion by our works. And so you see, this is not about a, a contrived emotion here. And it's, it's not about who can be the loudest in proclaiming their belief. This is about a life that is lived doing good for others. Purely and simply because our heart is filled with God. When I think of goodness and gentleness and kindness, I, I think of the late Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I know that <clears throat> many of you, especially if you have children, have seen uh, this delightful little show. A little sappy, but it's great. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this or not, but Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, is a Presbyterian minister. Did you know that? 
During his seminary days, he had a seminary professor who helped him learn the building blocks of his neighborly theology. And one of those professors was Dr. Bill Orr, who taught systematic theology. But as Fred Rogers remembers, he didn't just teach it, he lived it. Bill Orr took Jesus very seriously, and he taught with that same level of sincerity. One day, it was freezing cold outside, and Dr. Orr left with his heavy overcoat on as he left the classroom. But then when he came back later that afternoon to teach his afternoon class, he didn't have his coat. He had given it to someone who was cold. Well, one of his students asked, what happened to your coat? He knew what happened to it, but he asked him anyway, what happened to your coat? And Dr. Orr said, oh, I have another one at home. He never spoke of it again. My friends, Dr. Orr understood the concept of bearing fruit. He was a deeply religious man, but he demonstrated his religion not by his self-righteous piety, but rather by the fruit that he bore. And this is to say that Jesus wants most, what Jesus wants most of us is that we walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Folks, no one is impressed by a hypocrite. And to a certain extent, that's, why, that's what the Pharisees were. They were hypocrites. They were all show and no go. Like many people today, they gave the appearance of religion, but they didn't really know God. They bore the face of religion, but not in their heart. It wasn't in their heart. They were not bearing the fruit of God's kingdom. And they were not the first nor the last to do so. There are many people in churches even today who make that same mistake. But Jesus calls on us to walk the walk and talk the talk. And so here's the question today. How about you? How about you? Do you really and truly know God? You're here in God's house today, and that's a good start. But the ultimate question is, does the love of Jesus Christ truly live in your heart? Are you bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Are your works completing your faith? Or are you just playing the game and putting on a show? Jesus calls on us to walk our talk, just as he asked of the Pharisees and other religious groups of long ago. Are you really and truly committed to Christ's kingdom? If you are, then your life should be a testimony to it. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That we bear the fruit of Christ's kingdom in the way we live our life. And it is my prayer today that that would be the case with each and every one of us here today. That we would walk the walk. That we would talk the talk. And that people would be able to look at our lives and know that we are Christians because we show love to one another. This is what God has called us to do. Not just to put on the show, not to put on the face of religion, because just to do that is to be hypocritical. God has called us to live the life in all that we do. Amen. We're going to sing hymn number 492.
pure in heart, O oh God. And I think this is, a, a, this is what we've been talking about today, is purity of heart. A heart that truly uh, uh, seeks after God in all that we do. A heart that is not deluded with all of these other things in our lives. And we're not trying to put on airs and put on a show about our religious piety. But we're just trying to be the people that God's called us to be. And by doing that, by having that pure heart, we're bearing fruit of God's kingdom. Maybe God is dealing in your heart in some way this morning. Maybe you need to make that commitment to Christ. Maybe you are looking for a church home to be a part of. Maybe you just need some prayer today and, and want to, to share a time of prayer. I'd love to talk with you and celebrate God's work in your life. And we invite you to come as we sing together, 492, Purer in Heart, O God. Would you come? that is the prayer of our hearts as we leave here today that you would help us to be purer in heart that you would take those things that intermingle with our faith and with our love for you and that you would use those oh God that you will take anything that hinders our relationship with you and remove it but allow us oh God to be pure in our heart that we would truly seek you and that our lives would bear the fruit of your kingdom. Help us, O oh God, as we seek to be your people. Help us as we go from here. Guide us with your spirit and empower us with your love. In Christ's name, amen.